All right. In case you all did not get the point yet, you do not know what we're going to do in big group learning. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed what you did. We did some productive things, but we also had some typical things, things that we typically run into in the Christmas season, some of which we may like, some of which we may not. Rewrapping Christmas. Obviously, the language of that, the theme, we're playing on wrapping paper and so forth, but what's the point? Well, the first thing that we need to understand is that Christmas, ironically, can be a contentious celebration, particularly within the church. There are those who love Christmas. Did you see Rachel Sunday night? She about spit at me when I said I was done with gifts because she's not done with gifts. Rachel's all about Christmas. She loves the holiday. Others, Christmas is a painful time. So it's not they're opposed to Christmas, but it causes them pain. Maybe because a loved one that they had so many great memories with has passed away. Maybe because divorce or death has struck. Maybe they've lost a child. And then others have problems with Christmas. They see issues with Christmas. And so this year what we decided to do is take a look at what should we do with Christmas. And so tonight, the first step was we wanted to have you experience different elements different things that are typically associated with Christmas. The setting up of a nativity. The setting up and decorating of a Christmas tree. Writing cards. Drinking hot or cold apple cider. Wearing festive headgear. Sister Debbie, you look very cute. <laughs> the wrapping of gifts. Some of them pristine. Others, not so much. You all know, there's those who wrap beautifully. You hardly want to out open the gift. And others, <laughs> you can rip that one open with no problem because it's barely taped on as it is. The nativity itself. We've talked in this church many, many times about the fact that the wise men and the shepherds weren't both there, and yet every nativity you ever see has both present. All of these various elements, giving of cards, giving of gifts, the cards that we wrote, the cookies that we'll deliver to some of our folks that aren't able to be here, all of these are different elements, loud music, music you like, music you don't like, all elements of Christmas. Well, let's ask the first question, which is, where does the name Christmas come from? Does anybody know? Where does it come from? That's right. Catholics in here, my former Catholics. It's Christ Mass. Mass is simply the term that begins to develop about the whole liturgical service in which the Eucharist, the remembrance of Jesus, what we Protestants call communion, was celebrated. So Christmas is nothing more than simply the Mass where the church chose very early, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And over the years, that has become the term that has been used for Christmas. Christmas is Christ's Mass. 
What is Christmas? Here's a key thing that you and I need to get a hold of. Christmas is a cultural celebration of a biblical event. We have just concluded in our small groups a series on culture versus Bible. We've submitted to you that our lives need to be founded upon the scriptures, that they not ever deviate or be in violation of the scriptures. But there is also existing all kinds of human culture. And we've said to you multiple times, if you had me as a teacher, you know I repeated it every single time, we're not trying to get rid of culture. We're simply trying to put culture in its proper place. Christmas has absolutely zero Bible for it. But it celebrates an event that is the center of the biblical story. God born a human. So it is an amazing intersection, collision and cooperation between that which is biblical and that which is cultural. Now here's the challenge for us all. We don't even know when Jesus was born. We don't know what year he was born. Best biblical scholars' estimates are that we tie his birth into the death of Herod. We know from the story, you heard it Sunday morning from Pastor Desi, that Herod the Great was still alive. We know by very firm Roman records that Herod dies in four before the common era. So Jesus had to have been born before that. But there's a little problem. Our whole timeline is set up that supposedly Jesus is born at zero. At the turn before Christ and after Christ. So guess what? I got news for you. It's really funny. Jesus was born before he was supposed to be. Not really. We just counted wrong. Whoever set our calendars back in the day, they counted wrong. They made a mistake with regard to, they did it based on their information. We don't even know what year he was born specifically. I can tell you it was before four of the common era, but that's all, or before four of before the common era. So I can't even tell you what year he was born. And then other folks will say, well, not only don't you know the year, which, by the way, I think the reason we don't know the year is because if we knew the year, we'd know when he's coming back. And Jesus doesn't want us to know when he's coming back. He says, I'm coming as a thief in the night. Watch and be ready. But that's another topic for another time. We don't even know what day he was born. We don't know when he was born. And so a lot of folks will say, well, this Christmas thing's all messed up. Number one, we don't even know when he was born, but, but that's not so much. We're just birthday. But we don't even know when he was born, and, and, and there's a problem with when this is celebrated. In ancient Rome, December 25th marked what is known as the winter solstice, which is the beginning of days turning out of winter and the days getting longer, okay? The winter solstice. And so a week earlier, the pagans would celebrate a holiday called Saturnalia, 
And in fact, December 25th itself was deemed the birthday of the sun god, Mithras. So lots of detractors want to look at Christmas and go, you are engaging in a pagan practice. By celebrating Christmas, you're engaging in a pagan practice. Now here's the problem. When they say that, I humbly submit, they don't understand their history. And this is a key point for you to consider tonight. Christians and their leaders endeavored to counteract the practices of non-Christians that was their dominant world. Everybody was pagan. If you weren't, you were the rarity. So they lived in a world in which everybody went to Saturnalia. Everybody was partying. So what were the Christians to do? And so the Christian leaders endeavored to counteract this practice by providing at the same time as Saturnalia is occurring, at the same time that they're celebrating the birthday of Mithras, they gave them a festival to celebrate Jesus. It's not a continuation of that pagan practice of Saturnalia. It's a unique Christian observance of the birth of Jesus. You can find over and over, and I will not bore you tonight because I do not have enough time. I would bore you if I had enough time. But I don't have enough time, so I won't bore you. Thank you, Santa. Now be quiet. Santa does not speak in church. Early Christians have a well-researched practice of taking over pagan festivals, pagan practices, and, I'm going to give you a big word, recontextualizing them. Now, all of you that are sitting there going, what in heaven's name are you talking about? Let me give you a definition. To recontextualize something means to place or consider whatever it is in a new or a different context. In other words, the cultural event of Christmas, celebrating Christ's mass, remembering his birth, happens on December 25th because the early Christians, wait for it, rewrapped Christmas. They rewrapped it. They put it in a different context. They took that day where everybody's out celebrating the sun god, and they said, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to celebrate the true God. We're going to celebrate the only God. And what's his name? Absolutely. So the Christians are known for this. And again, I'm really tempted right now. I have books I could show you. I have pictures I could show you. I can wig you out. But the Christians do this all over the place. Now, I, I'm a little bothered by it, honestly. I look at them and go, you guys are crazy. But they had no problem taking practices and putting new meaning to it. They just rip it off the pagans. And, of course, by the time we get to Emperor Constantine, who becomes the first Christian emperor, it then ceases to be a ripoff, and it becomes official, the policy of the empire. So by 325 or a little bit before, it becomes official. But even before that, Christians are doing this. Why? Because they're living in a pagan society and they're trying to exist but not participate in the paganism. What about Christmas trees? Christmas trees are wrong, right? You guessed it. Christmas trees 
or a Germanic pagan practice of worshiping trees that when Christian missionaries showed up in Germania, they recontextualized or they rewrapped it. They took the tree. First step is they cut it down. Well, that wigged out the Germans because they thought that was literally a god. So by cutting down the tree, they showed that they were more powerful than the tree. Then they turned around and says, now take this symbol that used to be the God you served and use it to remember and celebrate the true God, namely Jesus. No, Jeremiah 10 verses 1 through 8 is not about Christmas trees. I'm sorry if anybody ever taught you that. It is not. The only presence of trees in that passage is to talk about the tree from which they make an idol. They're not talking about Christmas trees. Christmas trees didn't exist in Jeremiah's time because Christ had not yet been born. What's the difference between decorating your house with an evergreen or decorating your house with fresh, fresh flowers or potted plants? Anybody have plants in your house? Anybody ever have flowers on a special day? <laughs> Pastors are allowed to speak, but if you keep it up, I'm going to silence the elf. Somebody would say, well, the difference is we don't worship our plants. Well, if you're worshiping your Christmas tree, don't have one. Okay? That, that, I get that. If you're worshiping at your Christmas tree, don't have one. But in fact, the practice of recontextualizing the German pagan practice of worshiping trees was to, in fact, take that which had been worshipped and to put it in its proper place to recontextualize it. What about the it factor? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? If you were here Sunday morning, you heard me talk. The it factor, the commercialization, all the money. It's, it's, it's obscene what Christmas has become. We're going to have nothing to do with it. What? You mean that culture has become involved in a cultural celebration? You mean a culture that's dominated by the almighty dollar has turned Christmas into a commercial enterprise? Shocking. So when our society around us takes things and because they're broken, abuses them, is our only option to abstain? Or can we rewrap it? Can we take it back? Can we refuse to bend to the wrong practice? See, there's a slippery slope that goes on here. Because if you're going to have absolutely nothing to do with things that had anything, any time in history to do with that which is wrong, well, you're going to have to get rid of birthday parties, but we don't do that just because a lot of birthday parties are drinking. We don't discard the Bible because cults misuse it. If you're going to walk down this road, then, first of all, you cannot use any of the days of the week. So you've got to stop calling Sunday, Sunday, because that was named in honor of the sun god. You can't call Monday, Monday, because that was named in honor of the moon god. You can't call Tuesday, Tuesday, because it was named in honor of Mars. Wednesday, you can't use either, because it was named in honor of Mercury. Thursday was named in honor of Jupiter. Friday was named in honor of Venus, and Saturday was named in honor of Saturn. So what day is it today? 
Oh, it's Odin's day. <laughs> what about the months? January, named after Januarius. February, Februarius. These are all gods. These are all ancient gods. March, Martius. April, Aprilis. May, Maius. June, Junius. July, Julius. Named after the Roman emperor Julius Caesar. Augustus, named after his adopted son. August is named after Augustus, his adopted son. How many of you use Bluetooth? The ruins, R-U-N-E-S, not R-U-I-N-S, are the ancient Norse letters that, according to mythology, Odin discovered and gave to the gods and then to humans. The symbol for Bluetooth is a merging of two of these ruins, H and B, which are the initials of Harold Bluetooth, king who united the Danes. Everybody turn your Bluetooth off and never turn it on again. Birthdays, candles on cakes, flowers at funerals and weddings, embalming, wedding rings, anniversary gifts, groves of trees. My mother's convinced my father worships trees. He wouldn't cut any of them down. He loves his trees. We even say that. He loves his trees. See, there's a slippery slope here. If the only option we have is to attack and abstain from something that has been or is being misused, we're not being consistent. So why do we go after Christmas and not all the other things? The early Christians provide us an alternative. They tell us that instead... Why don't we engage in the practice of rewrapping, of recontextualizing? So the point of tonight has been, A, to see how perhaps the activities, typical things that you and I associate, maybe from our past when we were ungodly, maybe from our present when we are more godly, to look at them and ask a simple question. And the simple question is this. Did we sin tonight? Yeah, you, you didn't expect me to play nice, did you? I played nice the first half. Did we sin tonight? You say, well, preacher, if you think that we did, or if there's a chance we did, you're a rotten pastor. Yeah, I know. Because you signed off on this. You, you laid this all out. You had us participate in it. Yeah, but I want you to pause. I want you to sit. Because first of all, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to draw upon my biblical studies background and my expertise. There is no scriptural basis for the cultural celebration of Christmas. We don't have any Bible. Which takes us back to what we've been studying in small groups, which is Bible and culture are going to coexist. But which one is in the driver's seat? Which one 
has the veto. Which one takes precedent over the other? Can you celebrate Christmas in a manner that is consistent with our biblical principles and mandates? That's a question that each of us need to consider individually. And for any element where the answer is no, then don't do it. But tonight, I ask you, did we live out our master's mandate? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, in that you have love one for another. The cards that are delivered, will they express love? The cookies that are provided, did they not express love to us and then to those we send them to? The teamwork, the time spent together, the laughter. Was it consistent with Christ's direction to love one another? There is no question. You're not going to get any kind of telling you that the candy cane represents the blood of Jesus and the white that washes you clean as snow. I'm not giving you that stuff. Okay? I'm not feeding you that. I got no Bible for the cultural celebration of Christmas. I didn't spend time tonight talking to you, but if you don't know the story, go do a little research on Santa Claus. Santa Claus goes back to a Christian saint. Now, has it become commercialized? Oh, you bet your bippy it has. But should we really be so shocked that our culture affects a cultural celebration of a biblical event? What else do we do when we run into our culture impacting and causing us to do things that are not consistent with the Bible? Don't we push back against that culture? Don't we look at that culture and go, you know what? I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to look at it that way. Do we not contextualize or recontextualize? Do we not rewrap things? Do we not push back against that culture and say, no, there's a better way to do that? These products of our work, some are leaving us. Cards are going to be delivered. Cookies will be delivered. But a Christmas tree with gifts underneath. A nativity, which no matter who builds it or what it's done, is by definition wrong. It's not ever biblically accurate. Sorry to ruin your Christmas. But no nativity you ever see is biblically accurate. Because you need all the elements of the nativity, right? You need Mary and Joseph and the baby you need them in a manger, but we don't even know if it was a manger he was put in. You need the shepherds and the sheep, and we always have a cow and a donkey, but we don't know that there was a cow and a donkey. We don't know that the shepherds brought the sheep into the town of Bethlehem. In fact, I have a sneaky suspicion they didn't. Poor Lewis got left out there with all the sheep while the rest of the old guys went in and saw Jesus. You already heard Sunday that the wise men came later where they had found a house. And Jesus could have been a child close to the age of two. 
No nativity is ever going to be accurate. There's no way for it to be accurate. But is it possible for us to use a cultural expression to celebrate something that is very biblical? Gifts. Oh, gifts. They do predate our modern era. They do predate the almighty dollar and the marketers trying to get you to spend more money than you should at Christmas time. But gifts, how do we fix that? Well, you know our attempt here. We make sure Jesus gets the biggest and the best gift. On Christmas giving, December 15th, each of these elements will be present here on the stage to remind you of what we're getting you to begin to engage with here in big group learning. But in front of them is going to be what you're used to, which is the manger, which we don't even know if that's accurate, but it speaks something to us. It captures, if not fact, sentiment that God descended from glory and became a human, born of a lowly woman, his own creation. So it reminds us of what really is going on at Christmas time. So I challenge you tonight. I want you to consider Christmas does not need to be what the culture around us tells, it, it tells us it must be. You as a Christian need to be paying attention. Don't just go along. Be contemplative, be introspective, be semi-critical about what is happening. What are you participating in? Next year, you're going to have an exciting big group in which we push this theme a little bit further. I won't tell you what it is, but you won't want to miss it. Say a year ahead? Yeah. We just concluded it. It's all ready. All of 2020 is ready for you. Teaching teams have been working hard this year. All the curriculum's ready to go. We're ready to blow your minds. Don't miss anything. But tonight, I want to leave you with this part. Did we sin? Or did we rewrap Christmas? It has no biblical basis. It's clearly a cultural celebration. Is it possible for us to find a way to celebrate, as humans do, culturally, something that is biblically central? Because there is nothing more important than God becoming a human. And that's what Christmas is really all about. It's not really about a tree or gifts under it. It's not really about where he was born. In fact, if he was so concerned with that, he would have been more specific with the details. It's not about cookies and dinner, cards and gifts. Christmas is us remembering, not like the Eucharist or communion, his death, 
but his birth. And ladies and gentlemen, at the risk of sounding very, very mundane, you can't die until you're born. There is no death until there's a birth. And if there is no death, there is no resurrection. And the Apostle Paul said our hope lies in the fact that Christ rose from the dead before us. But he can't rise from the dead, conquering death, if he did not first die. And he could not die unless he was first born. Am I here to tell you that you have to rewrap Christmas? No. But I am here to challenge you to consider. And first thing, we're going to be real honest. There's no Bible for Christmas. Second, there's no question that there are many, many pieces of Christmas that you can study history and find that the first place that that element showed up was in a pagan celebration. The Christians of that time were unapologetic about that. They just gave it a new meaning. They recontextualized it. They rewrapped it. Now, in our remaining 15 minutes, I'm going to unleash cacophony on you again. I need you to go back to your stations and reconvene with your group. But don't go yet. Hold on. Hold on. Even if your product or whatever you were building is gone, go back to that same place. So young people, you're going to come over here. The work crew, they're going to come over here. Okay? I noticed that these workmen were just like every workman I've ever met. They don't know how to clean up. I also saw that Brother Mike was supervising. Every work crew has a supervisor. It was good to see you supervising, Brother Mike. He's got more skill than the rest of the crew put together, but that's who you want in a supervisor, right? The skilled guy. I don't know who was running this, but I think Rachel was up here, so I have no idea, but it's probably her. Oops, I messed it up. So I want you to go back to your stations. You believe it? The executive pastor put me on wrapping gifts, and I did not wrap this nasty-looking one, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I did not do it. We ran out of paper. I know that's the official excuse, but still. We might need to. Looks pretty nasty. Go back to your stations, and here's the question that I want you to begin discussing. Okay? Pick a spokesperson, because the start of Big Group Learning next week will be for you as a group to share what you've started discussing tonight. You'll have time all across the week to think about. You'll have a brief amount of time next week to further discuss it, and then your spokesperson share with us. And here's the question. Did our activity connect in any way with a proper celebration of a biblical event? You want to correct that question, Desi? That's correct. The group picks a spokesperson. It's not a pastoral team member or the lead person of it. You pick someone that's going to share from the congregation. So I want you to spend 15 minutes, okay, or 10 minutes even, 
starting on that question, did what we participated in, not the whole thing, but your particular part, if you were a server, if you were an elf, if you were handing out cookies, if you were handing out water, did what we did, did it connect and how to a proper or a biblically consistent celebration of a biblical event? Think about that across this week. And then when we come back together, that's where we will start and continue this conversation about rewrapping Christmas. All right, start the clock, Nick, 10 minutes. Here we go. Find your group, quick, 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 quick. Because you all got to get home, get your beauty rest.